0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Podcast. Today we continue our three-part series entitled Good Things. In this series, we will learn how to see our lives through the lens of God's favor. And now with part two, here's lead pastor Rex Johnson. I want to talk about good things, and if you're a guest today, we started this last week, and Matthew Henry said this about Hebrews 11 and 1. This is how he said it. Faith demonstrates to the eye of the mind the reality of those things that cannot be discerned by the eye of the body. Everybody say, the eye of the mind mind is greater greater than than the eye of the body. So we're going to talk about that today, seeing your life through the lens of God's favor. Seeing is, according to Annie Dillard, seeing is, of course, very much a matter of visualization unless I call my attention to what passes before my eyes, I simply will not see it. Early one morning in Washington, D.C., a man quietly took his place against the metro wall and pulled out his violin, placed his tip hat on the ground, and began to play. For this day, he had chosen six selections from Bach. During his performance, over a 1,000 people walked by. While passing by, some slowed down, And others stopped to listen briefly and a few dropped some sympathy money into his hat. Unknown to everyone who passed, the beggar with the violin on the street that morning was the world-renowned violinist Joshua Bell. The instrument that sang in his hands was a violin valued at $3.5 million. It was a Stradivarius. And when Joshua finished, there was no applause, there was no standing ovation, there was nothing to acknowledge. The magnificent talent that had just been on display. His street concert netted a mere 32 bucks. But just 48 hours earlier, an eager crowd had packed the Boston Theater to hear him play solo with an orchestra and pay an average of $100 per seat. How could anyone miss this street musician? The master violinist did a charity concert and over a 1,000 people walked by without noticing. How does that happen? The fact is that the people on the sidewalk that day represent a trait that's common to us all. We don't always see what is right in front of us. But because we don't see it, doesn't mean it's not there. Just what's wrong with our eyes anyway. Jesus said, The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad... Your body is full of darkness. My eyesight is not as bad as some people's, but when I have my glasses on, I can see much more clearly further away and catch details that I otherwise miss. Just as people go to eye doctors to get glasses or go to have surgery to have better eyesight, we're not stuck with our current life paradigm. I want to tell you, you're not stuck where you are. You can choose a better life paradigm than what you're living The word paradigm comes from the Greek and is, in general sense, a reference to a set pattern or a way to see the world. Not in terms of our physical eyes in perspective. It is what we might call our, say, mind's eye. Jesus is saying the eye is the lamp of the body. He was saying the eye can be good or it can be bad. And the condition of our eye affects what we see, what we don't see, what we experience, or what we miss out on. Seeing good is turning on the lamp. The opposite is true about bad eyes. They miss seeing good things. I'm going to put it on the screen. The only thing that is different between a negative person and a positive person is what they see. (laughs) Look at your wife and say, quit being so positive. No, I mean, don't. (laughs) Negative people are not bad, pessimistic people are not ignorant. In fact, oftentimes negativity is a trait of people who are highly informed in what they call reality. And their perspective is, I'm not being negative, I'm just being real. And they're being real and aware of what they were educated in and that was that life is hard, life is not easy. And when people are deeply educated in the life is hard theory or reality, but undereducated in the God is good reality, they lean toward unfavorable possibilities Versus seeing the possibility of something good in their life. People stuck in life is hard reality cancel out many times the God is good reality. And I have discovered that anyone, even people highly aware of life is hard reality, will become authentically optimistic when they educate themselves in the God is good reality. One doesn't have to deny the realities of life being hard to see the reality is associated with God being good. Selective seeing. I want to talk about it. My wife, my sweet wife, has an all seeing eye. She can be in the bedroom and so see what our kids were doing in the kitchen. She's unbelievable. In fact, she's amazed at what I don't see in life. She really is. I can drive by a place or walk by things and not even realize it, like a light out in the kitchen, or trash needing to be taken to the garage. <laughs> Or an unmade bed. Or a note on the counter, etc. That's kind of not good, men. You know, you need to see those kind of things. And Patty, I am so sorry. The other day, I had lost my keys. And she's in the bedroom, in the bathroom, off the bedroom, getting herself ready for the day. And I said, Patty, I'm in the kitchen. You know where my keys are. She said, right there where we put the, where the phones are, baby, where we charge the phones. They're right there. I saw them just a while ago when I passed by. What? And I was over by the computer, and I said, oh, hi. Thanks, babe. How did I not see that? My wife is the best that there is. I wished I could start fibbing to her a little bit and saying, yeah, baby, I did see that the other day. I saw that. And she'd come back and say, you're lying to me. What color was it? What shape was it? And I couldn't tell her. What we don't see is not necessarily what we are incapable of seeing. It is more often what we're not thinking about, looking for, or trained to see. Now, I grew up a Cowboy fan. How many of y'all like the Dallas Cowboys? I I did. I was a devoted Cowboy fan. I saw the first game they ever played when I was a 10-year-old boy. I have two pictures on my desk. One of my son just before he passed away when he was four years old. And the other is a laminated picture, football picture of Roger Staubach. Now, Do I worship him? No, I just think he was Captain America. And I like the real Captain America on my desk, not the one you see in theaters today. And as a child, I was a little manic over the outcome of games. I really was. I told Coach Landry one time when I was playing golf with him, I said, You ruined many of my Sundays as a child. I want you to know that. He looked at me and he said, Well, preacher, don't you think I ruined some of my Sundays too? It amazes me how that cowboy brand is not only nationwide, but now it's worldwide. And after all these years of being in a cowboy mindset, it's like my mind is on a mission to show me all the cowboy stuff that I can see. Dallas cowboy, not roping cowboy, Dallas cowboy. A man came in today, he had on blue and he had on silver, didn't have a star. I said, got your cowboy stuff on today, don't you? How do I see that? Because I've been trained to see it. In the same way I see cowboy logo and gear, Everyone's eyes are trained to see what their mind has assumed that they want to see. So I may be cowboy minded. Someone else may be boat minded. They see a certain kind of boat and they want a boat. Or fishing minded. They think about fishing all the time. Or music minded. Or tech minded. Or in this time of the year, hunting minded. In fact, some of you right now are thinking about Bambi. You can't wait to shoot her this fall again. (laughs) I'm going to pull out my Bambi sermon before it's over and I'll preach it before you go hunting. My daughter, Misty, is into jewelry, okay? Misty's into jewelry. My oldest girl's into jewelry. And it's amazing what Misty can see in a church that none of us can see. I see people, you know, I don't even know what color eyes they have. I just know they got a good heart, they got a good spirit, yada, yada. Misty comes home and said, Dad, Mom, did you see that rock on that woman's hand? (laughs) What woman? That woman. That woman. I, I, I don't even know her name, but, oh, God, she had a rock. She had a rock that was bigger than anything I've ever seen in my life. And that necklace that she had on, oh, my Lord. My daughter, if she had the money, could put QVC out of business. You understand (laughs) what I'm saying? She's into jewelry. And so she sees jewelry. All of us have the potential to see less of what we don't want to see and more of what we become intentional about seeing. And the reason behind all this selective seeing is a small part of our brain called the reticular activation system. Now, I'm not trying to be a scientist today. I'm not an expert. But those who are... Tell us that God created our mind to notice what it thinks we want to see and to store it for easy retrieval. In an attempt to do this, it will bypass tons of information and focus on what it thinks we want to see and remember. Are you understanding that? So, in the same way computers remember words that you have entered and websites you visited, so it can retrieve information for you quickly. Your mind helps you see what you want to see and overlook what you don't want to see. Now think about this. The last time you wanted something, a specific car, a certain kind of car, or tennis shoes, or smartphone, or a hairdo, or to lose weight, everybody you saw that you specified, like that particular car, I'd like to have a red Corvette. You start seeing them drive around town. It's like hell comes and says, I'm a red Corvette. Here I am. Or a certain hairdo. You see women in stores. Oh, my God, that's the hairdo I want. I saw it in a magazine. (laughs) That's your reticular activation system. The moment you made that item, your topic, your focus of attention, it seems you were bombarded with advertisement. My wife the other day wanted to get a new crock pot. So... She went online and looked up crockpots. The next time she opened up her computer, there were so many ads. This is the kind of crockpot you need. She had crockpot ads flowing into her situation. And I'm telling her, that's the same way the mind operates. When you see something, you lock in. The reticular activating system filtered that information relating to the thought process, and you paid more attention to that object or subject in a greater way. Here is the point. The information that had always been there, but now you were seeing more of it than you'd ever seen in your life. It's always there, but now you started seeing it. So, illustration. Drew Barrymore, when she filmed E.T. years ago, started what she called a lifelong affair with a heart, just the shape of a heart, the passion she later channeled into photography. She sees heart shapes in places where nobody else sees them, even in man-made objects and in nature. But that little scribe in her mind picked up the fact that Drew loves hearts and Drew wanted to see hearts. And so everywhere she goes, Drew Barrymore still see hearts. And when I see her, I say, wow, hallelujah. However, you didn't catch that. I'll move on. <laughs> Amen. However, there is a dark side of this little scribe, a dark side. It can become a culprit. Like everything else God gives us that should help us, there usually is a downside. The little scribe can work against us by pointing out what would be better to not notice or pay attention to. When this happens, the only thing we can do is be intentional about reprogramming our reticular activating system to tell us what we want to see not what things we to tell us what we want to see not what it thinks we want to see. For example, how many of you have changed addresses in the last little while? We send out cards sometime and they come back to us say return to sender no such address and so we get those and so people move. How many of you folks have moved here recently? I remember I remember back in 2008 when we sold our house. We bought bought a new house and we sold our house. And I had been so used for 18 years driving to that house on Redmond that when I'd leave the church, (laughs) I'd go down down, uh, Mopac and my car would just turn. It would just turn. It had a reticular activating system. It just turned. And I, I had to spank it one day. I hit the dashboard. I said, quit that. You don't live down here. You live over here now. And my car said, okay, I understand, master. I understand. I'll go to the new house. But what was happening was that I still had that address locked in my brain. My mother-in-law suffers with a little dementia. She's got a little bit of Alzheimer's but dementia. And she's a precious lady. And, and she really is is taking it so well. And, and I love her to death. But the other day somebody asked her for a phone number. You know what she did? She gave him a phone number of where her and dad used to live. My father-in-law has been... Passed away this month, eight years. She gave the phone number eight years ago to the place they used to live on Powers Court instead have given her number now. Because there's something about when we get locked into those kind of things, we get moved about those kind of things, like a checkbook. You, 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 how many of you it takes, okay, 2015, how many did it take to February or March to start writing 15 on your checkbook instead of 14? You know what I'm talking about. You get locked into some things. And it's hard for us to get out of patterns that we've lived in. Paul told the Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now here's what I'm going to preach. God's goodness isn't hidden. And neither is God's favor making limited appearances in your life. You hear me. God's favor is around us right now. God's goodness surrounds us right now. We're in a favorable place of worship right now. God wants to bless you today. God wants to send healing to your life today. God wants to lift your spirits up today. It's all around you. It's all around you. But I'm telling you, you've got to see it to believe what God wants you to have in your life. Oh, I want to preach now. You ever notice how certain lightings on a picture enhance the painting? What you thought was not attention grabbing becomes adorable in the right lighting. I want to turn the light on some of your worlds today. I have a picture of Jesus in my office that the little girl, Akiana, painted several years ago when she was eight years old. And it's an awesome portrait. And it's the portrait that the little boy that went to heaven that came back and he saw it in a restaurant and said, That's the Jesus I saw in heaven. So I have that. And I, other, not, not long ago, I took a flashlight and I just wanted to see how it looked with lighting. And I turned the flashlight on, turned the lights out, turned the flashlight on that picture. And it's like the Lord was just looking at me in person. It was so beautiful how when the light gets turned on. I want to turn the light on. I want your eye to be a light here today. I want it so it'll light the whole body. Once you see God's favor more clearly, the intentionality becomes hardwired into the searching mechanism of your daily life. Unseen goodness. Say it with me. Unseen goodness. Is always there. always there. Say it's always there. always there. Helen Keller said keep your face to the sunshine and you cannot see a shadow. She said in essence you get what you see. Most of us have heard the cliche you see what you get. But I believe you get what you see. I was in a restaurant one day with a bunch of ministers and it was a beautiful day. And We was at a conference and it was a great time and we all went to this restaurant and and I'm one of those kind of guys, I'm one of those kind of people that I'm happy for no reason, okay? I'm just happy. Okay, I got up this morning, I'm happy to be bald-headed. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I got up this morning, I'm happy bluebell's back and no is with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy. I'm just a happy man. I'm just happy. I walk around happy. I think happy. I do the Toyota dance. I'm happy. I'm just happy. I'm just a leprechaun of happiness. I, 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 I'm not shallow with it. I'm just happy. I'm just enjoying life. It, it's a fun thing to enjoy. Hey, I love to breathe the air that God's gave me. I love to smell the roses. I love to do all that stuff. I'm not looking forward to death. I'm looking forward to a flight somewhere. I want to go home to be with Jesus when he comes and gets us all. I want to live as long as God lets me. If he wants me to live 100, I'll take 110 right now. You understand what I'm saying? So I enjoy it. But we're sitting there, and there was was one pastor sitting there with us, and, and I don't know what he told his people. I don't know how he preached to them, and I don't know how they were a happy church, but... He was, uh, he was deplorable that day to say that. He was just deplorable. He was pitiful. He really was. He couldn't find nothing good to say. He couldn't find nothing good about anything and everything. He's like somebody put Limburger cheese under his nose and he's smelling the bad smell of everything, you know. And he couldn't, he couldn't get it right. So I'm on the other side of the table just ha hallelujah. Isn't God good? God's blessing the church and God's blessing the kingdom and hallelujah it's good. I was a young man. This guy was an older man. He said, you'll you'll learn, son. God will tame you down. You'll learn that happiness ain't going to be last. It ain't going to last in your life. You'll you'll get tamed down one of these days. And I wanted to say, sir, I don't want to insult you, but I'll never get your spirit. (laughs) So I ordered this meal. I ordered this meal. And and so he decided, well, I think I want to be happy, so I'm going to order the same meal that Rex got. So he got the meal. I love mine. I mean, I can inhale it when it's good. I can inhale food. You understand and I was just eating it down and I was grinning and smiling. I think I got a chicken fried steak or something. I don't know. But he got the same thing. So when his come out, he sent it back to the, to the waitress and he said, this is slop. 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 And I said, excuse me just a minute. I, I got to go to the restroom. So I followed the waitress back to the kitchen. And I said, ma'am, let me tell you something. Don't change one thing on his plate. And please don't spit in it either don't change one thing on his plate. Just rearrange it a little bit. Bring it back. Bring it back. And I'm going to pray a happy blessing on it. And he's going to eat that meal right there. Don't fix him something else. That meat is just as good as mine is. Take it back just the way it is. And he brought it back and said, now this is a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. You see, (laughs) he'll never know it. He's dead and gone. Thank God. Hallelujah. (laughs) That didn't sound right either, did it? (laughs) There's there's two words called cognitive distortions. Let me talk about them. They're simple ways our mind convinces us of things that are not really true. That's a cognitive distortion. We see one side and not the other. We see the picture just one way and we don't see the whole picture. We overgeneralize sometimes. If something happens bad in one area of life, we think everything in life is going to be bad. Oh, let me preach to you now. We think in black and white terms. If, if you think that you and your life have to be perfect or you're a failure, that's either our thinking. And it does not allow room for opposing realities, which is the nature of reality. Sometimes we reach inaccurate conclusions about life. But, let me say it again. But, but, what if that could be changed? I have good news for you. It can be changed. You can change your way of thinking in a service today. You really, really can. Paul stood before Agrippa, and and Agrippa said, I'm sending you to Rome. You're going to die there. And Paul got on a ship, and it fell apart because a win a Uroclodon came against it and Paul was absolutely thrown against everything in the world on his way to Rome lived there two years and he died and I want to tell you something he looks at Agrippa and Agrippa said do you have anything to say or you like an attorney or a lawyer to speak for you and Paul looks at Agrippa having his sentence put on him looks at Agrippa and he said I've got four words for you I think myself happy sometimes you just got to look the condition in the eye and say, look, I'm going to see beyond the bad stuff. I'm going to see beyond this this dysfunctional home. I'm going to see beyond this bad job. I'm going to see beyond this disease I have in my body. I'm going to see beyond it. I'm going to put on my polarized lenses and take out the horizontal glare, and I'm going to see the glory of God coming down on my life, and I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed because God is good, and I will think myself happy. Amen. 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 God is at work. Joseph went through hell for 22 years, and when his brothers finally got to him, he said, You thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. Hear this, Pastor. I'm not suggesting that there's nothing wrong in the world, or that you will not be tested under the burden of life. Look around you. I'm not just some Pollyanna. Look around you. This world is a mess. And can I remind you, help will not come from man. David said, I will look to the hills from which come in my help. That's a question mark there. No, I will call on the Lord. The Lord is my help. The Lord is my help. Governments won't save you. Systems won't save you. Programs won't save you. Man won't save you. But let me say it boldly again. God is at work right now. He's at work in a bad world. He's at work in a dysfunctional home. He's at work in a bad marriage. God is still at work. And you've got to take the things off that makes you see the bad. And put the glasses on that let you see good. And understand you can change your precept and per- perception of things in life. Oh, I want to preach today. Favor surrounds us. David said, Psalms 5, surely Lord you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. I had a friend of mine who had a lady in his church that came to him one day. And said, I'm leaving my husband. She, he said, why? I said, well, just, he's just not any good. And the, and the pastor said, well, I, I've always thought he was a good father and a good grandfather. And, and he's a good husband. He seemed like he's a good saint in the church. And she said, well, he is that. The kids adore him and everything. But I'm just tired of him. I'm ready to go. And he said, well, can you think of one or two things good about him? She said, well, yeah, yeah. He's good to the kids, he's good to me, and he's good to the church, and he's a good man. Okay, it's pretty good. He said, I want you to go home and I want you to write something every day on a a piece of paper, I want you to write something. And I want you to put it down, something good about him every day for seven days. And she came back in seven days smiling. She said, don't need any more counseling. He's gonna stay. (laughs) He's good. You know what she did? She started seeing what she needed to see and not what she wanted to see. Are you with me? Opposites attract marriages and then they attack. David threw a rock one day and won a wife. But that rock became the rock of offense to her and it's hard to sleep on a bed of rocks, isn't it? We need to let ourselves see our marriage and see our life and see our job and see our position in life as being a child of favor come on we need to see it that way I want to I, I, I say something we need what I call eye training I, I've got to hurry I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm against the clock now I've got to hurry eye training I had an old pastor friend that had a Labrador retriever up in St. Louis years ago and that lab dog was the best quail dog in in the county, and a lot of people came to let their dogs learn how to chase quail with that with that dog. And those little dogs that came to learn how to how to catch a scent would run off and chase rabbits and chase squirrels and chase deer, any kind of scent would just set them off. But that old lab stayed true. He knew what he wanted. He knew what a quail smelt like. He knew what a quail was. And I heard the old man say one time. He said. When he pointed, he'd look, he'd just say. There it is. And said, You get in that in that brush, it wasn't a rabbit, it wasn't a deer laying down, it wasn't a squirrel. Said quail would fly. Because he knew what he was looking for, and he found it every time. I want to talk to you. I just want to talk to you. We need eye training. We need to understand that things happen in this world. We record other people's perspective and we form opinions as to what we look for and see. Don't, we don't want to break up friendships, but sometimes changing who you hang out with can change how you see life. I'm going to go on record right now. You won't hang around me and see a bad life. You won't hang around me and see an unhappy life. You won't hang around me and see a God that's not interested in us. You won't hang around me and have a dismal day or the or the bad end of this world. I believe with all my heart that God loves me like that little old girl that was against the window when she was four years old and it was lightning. And the parents came in there and said, What are you doing? She said, I'm I'm God's favorite kid, and He's taking my picture. <laughs> Some of us need to understand that even when the lightning crashes and the thunders roll, there's a God in heaven that says, That's my favorite kid. You gotta see favor. You gotta see favor. You gotta see favor. You gotta see it. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Everybody say, God is at work. Good is synonymous with God. Let me conclude. Men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. I love that. Proverbs 23 and 7 says for as he thinks within himself so is he. Romans 12 and 2 said be transformed. Everybody say be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Did God say we could renew our mind? Scientists didn't believe that for centuries. They didn't believe that. But during most of the 20th century the consensus among neuroscientists was that brain structure was fixed and did not change after early childhood. But since then. Scientists started changing their opinions and created a term called neuroplasticity. I'm going to say it just once, one more time, neuroplasticity. That is defined as the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new neural connections throughout life. And what God had known from the beginning, science is now discovering, that no matter what our age, we have the ability to change the habits of our mind. Somebody said you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm tired of that you can learn some new things in life. Roger Sperry won the Nobel Prize in 1981 in physiology, and he said that you grow new connectors in your brain when you learn a new language. Some of us need to quit talking the negative language and start talking the positive language. And they said it helps so much. They said it helps so much. Learning a new language helps so much in in, in cases of dementia and and Alzheimer's. It helps so much. And here's what I'm telling you. What happens is is, is this. Research shows that how we think repeatedly does literally create small little pathways or grooves in our brain. And with some intentional effort, we can redirect our habits or our thoughts and create a new groove. (laughs) What's that woman's name got her groove back? (laughs) Stella got her groove back. It takes time and effort, but it's the key to transformation. We have heard it takes 21 days to form a new habit. Reason it takes that much time for the new path to be built in the brain. Oh, I'm loving this. And the brain produces about 70,000 thoughts on an average day or about every 1.2 seconds you get a new thought. And our brain is searching even when we don't know it's searching. It's constantly going out there and pulling in data based on primary tendencies and leaning of our minds. And here's what this will look like. If you're trouble-minded... There's trouble everywhere. Come on. If you're anger minded, you'll be angry when no one else around you is angry. If you're problem minded, you'll find problems with every solution. If you're poverty minded, you'll always see yourself as lacking and poor. But if you're favor minded, you'll find favor in everything you do. I'm I'm telling you right now. You can be aware of trouble, but you can still think favor. You can be aware of problems, but you can still think favor. You can be aware of setback, but still think favor. Think favor so you can open up the search engines of your mind for the word favor. Come on, everybody say favor. Favor. Say, I'm looking for favor. (laughs) I want the favor of God. It's right here around us. Come on, let's clap our hands and rejoice. The favor of the Lord is upon us. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, Peter said. Be sober and hope for the end. Help me, Randy, for the grace, charis, that is to be brought unto you. That charis word in the Greek means God's inclining. It's reaching to people because he is ready to bless them. Everybody say, God's ready to bless me. Don't let your mind mess it up. Heaven has some awesome things for you, even in this end time. There's a great story about an old wise man that lived outside of town. He'd go outside of town every day, and he'd meet people coming into the big city. And they'd always ask him, what kind of people live in that city? And he would say, what kind of people live in the city you came from? And if they said rude people, mean people, he'd say, that's what you'll find in that city. thieves, liars, cheats, that's what you'll find in that city. But if somebody would come by and say, there was great people in our city, friendly people in our city, he said, you'll find the same thing in that city. Because what you look for is what you're always going to find. I'm telling you, good things are around us. Twyla Labar is a member of our church and she's written over a 1,000 songs and over 400 of them have been recorded by major artists. And you know what? You could put Twyla in a prison, she'd write a song. You'd put her in a junkyard, she could write a song. Put her in a dump ground, she could write a song. In fact, the man that wrote the Montezuma, uh, the, uh, the, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, the Marine Fight Song, he was he was an old beggar in a, in a junkyard one day in a dump ground. Somebody walked up and said, I know your port. Can you write a song for the Marines? He said, Give me a give me a Snickers wrapper. They gave him a Snickers wrapper and he started writing from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. We'll fight our country's battle on the land and on the sea to fight for right and freedom and to keep our honor clean. We will fight to gain the freedom of the United States Marines. It took him about seven minutes. He said, here you go. You got a dollar? It's amazing what can come out of us when we see the things we need to see. I love Louis Armstrong's song, What a Wonderful World. I tried to sing it in the first service. I see trees of green. Oh, I didn't have piano in the first service. Red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself What a wonderful world Some people sing like this I see traffic jams Cloudy skies Annoying people Driving by And I think to myself What a difficult world What do you want to see? What do you want to see? Can somebody give me a witness? What do you want to see? Hallelujah. We call it the P4-8 principle. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable excellent or praiseworthy think about those things extreme skiers fly down slopes at kamikaze speeds and when I asked how do you keep from crashing Kim Rykham said I always look at the spaces between the trees I love that I don't ever see the trees I just see the space I don't ever see the objects that would hinder me I see the space I see the stuff between the trees And I just ski in the space. Folks, there's a space of grace in this house today. And God is with us. God's for us. And he loves us. I want you to do this. Put your hand on your chest and say, Jesus really does love me. And that's a fact. That's a true fact. And I love Jesus. And that's a fact. And he's got favor all around waiting on me. He loves me. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord right now. Let's go. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal.